Hello, I'm Adult. And I'm Young. And you're listening to Young Adult as we review Mistborn The Final Empire by Brandon Sanderson. Chapter 5. I stride in the room all young and hip. I finally feel like we've, you know, progressed into the story now, into the, into the book, really, because, well, in my edition, at least, we've passed a uh, hundred pages, so. Yeah, well, this chapter has really felt to me like it's the, the first real chapter, in a way. That's funny, uh, because, to me, there were points to me that kind of felt like a letdown in this chapter. Huh, well, I that's going to be the interesting biggest fan of this chapter. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this chapter. I, it felt to me like it was the first real delivery on the, the premise of the of the book that I'd been sold on. Yeah, I think the magic system really came out in this chapter, but uh, my issue was more with the action. Hmm, that's interesting. I think that maybe, or at least in his earlier writing as Mistborn is, Sanderson's action maybe isn't the best. Maybe, maybe it'll get better, but uh, I felt that... You know, it just wasn't kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe, but it wasn't kind of clicking for me. That's interesting. I suppose, for me, the it, 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 did, it did click, but that was mostly the magical side of things, I suppose. I don't know if this had been, if there hadn't been the magic, would I have enjoyed this chapter as much? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have, but... Uh, would I have still enjoyed the action without the magic side of this? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know that I quite like action, and you know, I well, as I think I'm pretty sure I have high standards as far as action goes uh, in any media, but it didn't quite meet my expectations. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, well, I suppose we'll, we can talk about that a little more when we get to the, yeah, the action, action the doesn't start part. until about halfway into the chapter. So. Yeah. Um, instead, uh, <laughs> getting uh, getting into our our schedule here of what to, what points to hit. Um, the snippet. Yes, the snippet comes first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this snippet is particularly uh, well, I'm, it, it's certainly something because it, it reveals a, an entirely new mysterious threat that may have already been dealt with called the deepness uh, so talks a little bit more about this terrorist prophecy things uh, and then we hear the deepness must be destroyed and apparently I'm the only one who can do so it ravages the world even now if I don't stop it soon there will be nothing left of this land but bones and dust which yep, uh, certainly uh, pretty dramatic yeah so that's the first we're hearing of this if, as we've been theorizing, this is the Lord Ruler, it sounds like maybe he was the chosen one who heroically defeated the Deepness. Was maybe? that my, did I make that prediction? I feel like I said. I think we've like we've that. both been we've both been saying that over and over, really, that we feel like the, the Lord Ruler was sort of some sort of previous chosen one. I mean, back back when we thought he was the the Mistborn yeah. uh, of his era, which may still be true on some level, but. It seems like Mistborns are not as big of a deal as we had thought. Uh, but this yeah. this literally seems like he was like a heroic chosen one. Or at least he thought he was when he wrote this, assuming he wrote this. Yeah, it could just be kind of like a very self-confident 
diary writer, this is what, if this is his diary or whatever we're reading, you know, very confident yeah. in, his, in his actions and his heroicness. Uh, well, what, what the hell is the deepness? <laughs> I mean, that's just so mysterious. Like, something, something to do that with. will probably come up later in the series. You maybe. would assume. Something to do with the Well of Awakening, maybe? Ascension. Sorry, yes, the Well of Ascension. I, I mean, wells are deep. Um, it's it's pretty cryptic, but it's it's intriguing. Yeah. Um, and as usual, we'll move on to the rune, uh, which is, you know, there's, I don't know what to say about these anymore, because, yes, this one is, on the map, it's pointing uh, east. Circles. We already theorized about these being the eight alimentic... Yeah, we we suggest they might be the basic alimentic metals. Although, of course, the thing about that is we now know that there's ten, really. Yeah. Plus, but then on the other hand, we know that a lot of them are, are mixtures. And as as we see in this chapter, um, iron and steel, which are both basically the same material, have very closely related powers. So. To a degree, it might make more sense to sort of lump them together under the same heading. Only one rune seems to really stand out, and that's the one that we'll probably be getting next. Uh, it's the semicircle with three spikes uh, shoved through, pointing inwards towards the dot, and then another spike just pointing outwards. Mm. Just kind of there. That one stands out as being very different from the rest. It's I don't I don't want to put too much effort into this because it is quite possible these are literally just decoration. Um, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, maybe we're overthinking this. I don't know. Um, right. Jumping into it then. Yeah, I guess so. Um, do you have anything? To, to, uh, I, I guess. Um, well, the first note I have taken. Uh, it's kind of from, I don't know, like, midway through the second page. Yeah, I, I don't have any real notes for a little bit as well, because... It's, it's just them kind of chatting about stuff. And yeah, it, it opens and... with them, yeah, they're just sort of hanging out. Uh, and my my first note my first note here is when they start talking about Adium. That is where my, my first note is literally, Kelsier used up his Adium at Lord Trusting's estate to kill everyone. Yeah. Which... Um, Having and that was only the small amount he had left because he had spent most of it buying Urasur's contract. What is this? We don't know. But he bought whatever it is with a whole bunch of adium. It sounds like. And then he yeah he he burned some of it the last bit that he had at Trusting's plantation, which might hint at what it might do. I guess. I mean. I don't know. We get a lot of stuff revealed about the magic system, this, and yeah. this feels like kind of a teaser. But yeah, I'm well, not, I guess it, sure it helps what. to explain. I mean, we don't know what ADM is, but we know it's a big deal, and yeah. that perhaps helps to explain why he was able to defeat the whole castle full of guys. Whereas in this chapter, he's a little more grounded in his power level. Yeah, he's he's reasonably outnumbered. You know, I mean, there's it's eight against one, and in any fight, unless you're like literally Superman. You're, it's going to be hard to win that fight. Well, I mean, it it sounds like if you if you're 
burning enough pewter, maybe you are <laughs> basically that's, Superman. That's one thing I had a problem with. Uh, I, I know this comes up later, but I just I, I want to bring it up now. He talks about, at one point, his pewter running low, and then uses his pewter for five more pages, and consistently on each page, you know, inflaming pewter, you know, burning more pewter. And he yeah. says it. He, he says it at least once a page. Well, Because it seems like pewter is really helpful in that fight, and just... Just leave out the bit where you're complaining that it's running low if you're not going to have him run out or something. I yeah, just, that's the, that is an interesting point. It frustrated me. Well, I guess he doesn't run out of any of his medals in that, in that fight, does he? Yeah, I mean, I know he was chugging vials and stuff. Yeah, he, he drinks a vial at one point, so I've, presumably that boosted things. In that case, like, why would he even bother commenting or thinking about how he's running low? Like, well, we, didn't, we know he had three vials... It sounds like he used up all three during that. Well, I think uh, this chapter. I think actually at least one of them got broken. I don't know. I'm just if I if I remember right, there's a bit where the uh, they they all blast him with the metal push and it it, it flings away one or two of his files. Mm-hmm. I I'm not 100 percent sure they break. That, that that got on my nerves a little bit reading it. Yeah, well, I I I don't know about that. I mean. It didn't bother me. I suppose it both it builds the tension a little bit because he could run out, even though he doesn't. And also, you know, in the future, that, that helps to establish that it's something that could happen again. I guess. I don't know. It's just, as I was reading it, that to me, just, I didn't like it. Hmm. Um, the only thing, get out of the next couple of pages, that I got out of the next couple of pages, was that I just wrote down, Vin is paranoid still. <laughs> she's still, I mean... I keep yeah. saying this, it's only been a couple hours for her, it hasn't even been a day uh, that we've, like, seen her around Kelsier, but she's so paranoid, it's so funny. Yeah, I, well, yeah, she won't She won't drink the wine, she she thinks about whether they're serious about the plan and so on. I mean, I, I get being skeptical about this plan, because, you know, they're talking about killing one of the most powerful beings in the world, the most yeah. powerful being in the world. So powerful being in the final empire, at the very least. That's true. We don't know what's going on outside the empire. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I get the feeling you don't particularly like Vin. Yeah, I, as I said, she didn't uh, bug me as much maybe this chapter, I guess, because... she's not in it, really. Well, there's that, but also... Does she even, does she even have a speaking part? She only talks, like, twice. Yeah, she doesn't do much in this chapter, but in the, in the little bit that she we do see her... I feel like her skepticism is maybe a little more... I don't know. I, it, it, it is reasonable to be somewhat skeptical of Kelsier's uh, claims here. Yeah. One thing that really stood out to me that Vin thought... Uh, I'm not sure if I can find the exact line, but she's, she says something about, you know, thinking that maybe Kelsier had in mind an apprenticeship for her. Mm-hmm. And then she seems like surprised, like, oh, why would I want an apprenticeship? Like, that's a weird thing for him to expect. Does she? I, yeah, I mean, this, she didn't pick up on that. Um. But, like, earlier she was going on about, you know, she wants to learn Alamancy, no matter what the cost or whatever. And I just, it was it was weird to me. That's true. She does, she does think, what do they expect from me? Am I to be an apprentice of some sort? But I, don't, I didn't read that as her being shocked at the idea that she would be an apprentice or anything like that it's just that she's uncertain what they expect like that's that's that that's she, I don't think she finds that an implausible idea 
that's just sort of what she hopes they're going for. It, we're definitely getting very different opinions on everything in this book. Yeah, well, especially in this chapter, it sounds like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I had written down, Vin wants to learn Alamancy, but is... I didn't have shocked. I wrote, you know, surprised at the idea of an apprenticeship. Well, but they don't actually offer her an apprenticeship, do they? She just thinks about whether they're going to. And there's no shock there, I, really. I guess it's kind of like the way Kelsier's talking to her, and then she just thinks that, and I'm like... I mean... Yeah, well, she, okay. she it does say she's un- she's uncomfortable with the friendly atmosphere, that sort of thing, which, yeah, that's just Vin. Yeah. Good old Vin. <laughs> Being Vin. <laughs> Um, yeah, but pretty quickly we're uh, we're, di- we're again diverted from the crew hanging out by a new appearance of a guy called Clubs. Yeah, who we've never seen before, and no one. And <laughs> yeah. when he left earlier, yep, yeah, no right. one ever suspected that he might come back. Yes, your prediction has come true. Clubs has returned. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, what I thought was interesting about Clubs returning was something he mentioned about Breeze. Which was, you know, you know, he left because he wanted to be sure Breeze wasn't pressuring him or soothing him. Reasonable. Right? And then Kelsey remarks, you know, oh, but you're a smoker. Breeze couldn't do much to you anyway. Which is like, does that mean That's true. He says being that. a smoker? Does it just... What does it mean? We don't know. Like, we get the idea that cloaks you alamancy in some way, but this feels like just is just being a smoker enough It's to, to shield yourself? A part or? of me thought that might just be that he's mentally strong, you know? I, I don't know. Like he's, he's experienced with Alamazzi. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a strong will. He's, he's, he knows how to recognize when someone's messing with his head. That might be all it is, really. But If he knows when to recognize, then you think he wouldn't, you know, go away for so long thinking about that and stuff. I know. Well, that's what Kelsey was saying. You know, you didn't need to go away because, yeah. you know, you're a smoker. He's, he can't really do that much to you without you letting him. But I just I just kind of had written down, like... You're right. It does, it does sound... not an, affected by smokers? It and d- then, like, a big question mark. You're right. It's, it does sound like he has some kind of resistance to soothers uh, that's specific oh, yeah, to being a smoker. Yeah. Look, the, the, these terms are not... They're, they're slang in universe, so they're not 100% consistent. In fact, we in this very chapter we get a whole new meaning for the whole push and pull thing, which I'm pretty sure were previously used to describe soothers and rioters or whatever. I think push and pull is going to be used a lot as like alamancy terms, but they, you know, yeah. when applied to different uh, metals, they're going to have different meanings. It did, it did have me wondering if maybe. We're going to get, like, a bunch of different paired ones, all each of which are called push versus pull. I don't know. Well, we can only have, like, five, right? Yeah. Unless there's a twelfth medal, in which case we could have, in theory, six, I guess. Yeah, but it, it wouldn't be shocking if, like, those medals are all in some kind of pairs. Yeah, this goes with this, and this goes with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've already, we, we know that's true for... I can see that. ...four of the, the ten or eleven. Um... Yeah, S- speaking of uh, knowing that it's that for four of the ten, because we a- we actually get a little bit of confirmation here that soothers use copper. Which we did not know yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that written down. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Clubs is saying he doesn't. He doesn't. 
like tr he doesn't trust soothers even even when they're not using their powers. He's they, they're manipulative. Copper or no copper. Uh, I think we might get another name check of that as well at some point in this chapter. Uh, yeah, so it seems like soothers are using copper, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. I think... So I have, I have a couple of thoughts on that, actually. Thought one okay. is... So Zinc, it seems like... This pretty much disconfirms that Zinc is rioters. Yeah. So copper and Zinc are the opposites. They don't seem that obviously linked... Um, but my first connection when I hear copper and zinc is batteries. Cop copper and zinc batteries are one of the most basic types of, of battery. Uh, so maybe that's maybe that's kind of what he's going for, that they're, they're sort of chemically opposite in some electrochemical way. I don't fully understand. I feel like you might be digging slightly too much into sciencey theories well, for I'm, this book. Maybe, but I, I feel like Brandon Sanderson po probably, presumably had some kind of reasons for picking what he picked. We, we see with iron and steel, they're opposites in their effect, but in that case it's pretty obvious that the connection between the two is steel is iron, which is better. I mean, look, I can't say for sure, but I mean, I'd imagine he just Maybe yeah, he did well, think about it, but you may honestly you might you may be right. He might because, just not have thought about it. Uh, so I I realized something else. While I was put I I put together like a list of of what we knew for last episode. Yeah. Um, and I realized something which drove me a little bit up the wall, which is that pewter is an alloy. Uh, specifically, it's mostly tin. Okay. Medieval pewter would generally have been. Uh, mostly tin with some lead uh, and then a little bit of copper. What? <laughs> it's mostly tin. This this kind this kind of so in 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 this is we we didn't learn about pewter in this chapter, but in this in this in the space of two chapters, we've learned that pewter, which is mostly tin, does something that's pretty much totally unrelated to what tin does, and steel, which is mostly iron. Does something incredibly related to what iron does. What does tin do in this? Tin sharpens senses. Tin iron. sharpens senses. Okay, yeah. I'm honestly, maybe I should. I guess I'm. I don't know. You start. Are you starting to lose track of what does what? Yeah, maybe I should take notes about this, but I really would just rather roll with the story. Yeah, well, writing up those notes uh, did probably help me remember all these these yeah. details. But to be fair. I'm not really sure that these details actually matter at all because so far we've only seen them use their metals in the form of flakes of metal in an alcohol solution. So, who cares which metal is which? Yeah, honestly, I kind of pictured them like eating big old lumps of metal because <laughs> I knew from the start that they would be ingesting it. And every time they talk about metal, all I picture is like Kelsey are taking a big bite out of a lock or something. Yeah, I don't get why they aren't doing that. Like, I guess like. They can't. I mean, maybe if you like pewter, ingested, uh, burned. Maybe if you burned uh, pewter, you'd be strong enough. Well, okay, yeah. Taking a bite out of metal is hard, but what's stopping them from just swallowing like a copper coin or something? I mean, maybe it's more effective. Maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe they have to it's... digest it or something. Yeah. Then we get this moving back. Uh, Kelsier having this big kind of inner monologue oh, to himself. Uh, there's actually one detail I wanted to bring up before we reach that point, which is uh, just that clubs 
refers to himself as a bored old man. So, all that stuff I was going on about before, about him being maybe, you know, he's been wizened by, like, the fires of his powers or something, or the smoke of, the, of his smoker powers, uh, that might all be total nonsense. And he's actually is old. We don't and, know what passes for oldness. Yeah, it, it, I think it did say that he wasn't that old. Yeah, it did. But he refers to himself as old here, so maybe Vince just misjudged his age and he actually is pretty old. I don't know. Or, you know, maybe he's just middle-aged and that was enough for him to be kind of wizened. I don't know. I get the impression that, like, 60 in this would be, like, really old. Maybe. Unless you're, like, the Lord Ruler who's, like, a thousand years old. Well, maybe, but I, I don't think... At least for the Scat, it seems like getting old just wasn't... I mean, I know they die a lot because they get brutally murdered by their, you know, plantation oppressors. But, like, you know, we we had that guy, um, whatever his name was, at, in the prologue, and yeah, he's they, they, described as you're very right. old. Scat ages are, uh, you know, they're not going to be as, as as old as we are in our world. Um, but yeah, sorry. Uh, with that digression over, yes, they, we we get we get a, another we get a nice cinematic description of Luthadel. Um, Luthadel shrouded in mists, which includes this interesting line. At night, however, the mists came to blur and obscure. So the mists only come at night. That's weird. That's not how mist mists really work. Actually, <laughs> I say that. Admittedly, mists do come quite a lot at night. It's often misty at night, but mists are not exclusively a nighttime activity, nor does every night have mist. True. But that's in our world. Yeah, but that that's weird, though, right? That suggests that there's some sort of magical reason behind this. I mean, haven't we already established that the mists are clearly magic? Yeah, yeah, we I have. Mean, I guess you're right. I just hadn't made the connection, really. Yeah, well, Kelsier... One of the things he reveals is that uh, his wife, Mare, was a Tenai. Yeah. Uh, before he had snapped. Whatever the hell snapped means. I mean, we, we kind of know, but we also just don't have a, like a proper definition for what snapped means. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was interesting because he goes on about how he and Doxon were, um, you know, just regular ska. Yeah, that, that, you know, very skilled thief scat, but that his wife was a tenai, I found interesting. Cause... Yeah, once he had dreamed of Alamancy, wishing for a power like Mayor's. Uh, that's, I, I'm still weirded out by this. He mentions about how it was after she died, and implied that it wasn't, like, directly after she died that he yeah, snapped. Yeah, she'd been dead before he'd snapped. So that the way that's phrased to me makes it sound like she had died a little while, like not just directly before. Yeah, I kind of got the impression she died when during the arrest, whereas he snapped in the mines. Yeah, which I'm not sure if that supports your traumatic experiences make you snap, or you know completely demolishes it. <laughs> the way Kelsier describes snapping. Um, sounds very dramatic, like you're suddenly filled with, I don't know, divine 
power of the Mistborn. Well, I mean, he doesn't really describe it at all. But yeah, just the way he's like, oh, I snapped and then I had powers. is very different, as you were kind of saying earlier, to Vin's, I always kind of had luck. Yeah, it's curious. And I just... I mean, let's be honest, Vin could have snapped when she was... If your traumatic theory is like, she could have snapped when she was like one year old and her mother tried to murder her. That's very possible. And, you know, so that's why, but... That's why she doesn't know about it, and that's why she has it. But even then, it's kind of a little confusing. Yeah, well, the idea of traumatic events activating your sort of latent powers comes up in, in, in fiction on occasion. It's, it's sort of a trope. I know, uh, for example... Uh, in some of the X-Men things that happens, like uh, Cyclops uh, only activated his powers when he was fell out of a plane. But really? sadly, yes, yes, that's, that's Cyclops' origin story. He, he, he fell out of a plane, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure, totally sure why, uh, but his, his parachute didn't open or whatever. And his powers activated, but sadly, his powers were of very little use for falling out of a plane. So he died, so and that he was his, the end so of he got, So they, like, he blasted the ground, they soft, softened the ground a bit, but he still got permanent brain damage that left his powers jammed on. That's that's why they're always on? Yeah, because the, his powers activated in a moment of stress, but they were not much use, so he just got horribly injured and ended up with his powers stuck on. Now, that's that's very Man. a little bit over the years, but yeah, that's that's like lots of his origin stories. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we get that kind of monologue and there is this one line at the very beginning, I should have brought that up a second ago, um, where he's talking about, Kelsier says, The dark city at night was a place for the desperate and the foolhardy. It was a land of swirling mystery and strange creatures. Strange creatures like me. Which I feel like is almost... Like, almost admitting that there's some kind of strange creatures existing in the mist? Yeah. I mean, from the entire rest of the vibe that we've gotten from Mistborns and Mistings, it's just so backwards to that. It's just... Yeah, I think the that, strange creatures he's referring to here might just be Mistborn. Yeah, but even then, that's... I don't know, the way that's said makes me feel strange. It does sound like maybe there's some other creatures using the mist as well. One yeah. thing that kind of threw me about it is the italics, you know, that's directly his thoughts even though we've already been having his thoughts. I don't yeah, like it when stories do that. it's kind of a common way of doing that. You know, when you're having a third-person uh, story or narrative following a person, and obviously you're seeing everything from their perspective, even though you have a narrator, hmm. and then even though you're already getting the thought process, you then get like an italic, this is the exact thing they thought rather than this broad overview of what they were thinking just i don't know it feels it always feels slightly weird to me even though like loads of books do it like yeah it's practically universal yeah i just but all the time it just jumps out as me as being kind of awkward in most circumstances hmm. that's I, interesting i don't know maybe that's just might just be you <laughs> again yeah. um, um readers if you are uh, listeners if you disagree with me and agree with him or the other way around, please write in and tell us your thoughts on uh, italics to communicate thoughts directly to the reader. And <laughs> this yep. is a hot-button issue. We need to know your ideas and thoughts on this topic. It's extremely important. 
Um, yeah, so then... Then Dachshund, Dachshund, oh, sorry. Uh, then Dachshund immediately comes up after this uh, inner monologue and goes, Stop being... <laughs> Stop being a weirdo brooding on the edge of the roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank you. That is good. Um, yeah, and he's there with Vin, Vin, who just doesn't exist for the rest of this chapter. Nope. She does not, because she is left behind. Except for that one moment where she's like, Asking about the Mistborn cloak, which brings us yes, Kelsier puts on a Mistborn cloak. We get a cool description of this weird cloak that's got like it's 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 not even really a cloak. It's just like a bunch of strips. It's yeah. It's literally like <sighs> Kelsier threw on the garment. It's strips of cloth twisting and curling, almost like the mists themselves. I guess in the wind is what that's supposed to refer to. I, it is a little hard to picture exactly. Like, I'm picturing it, but in my mind it looks really dumb. Yeah, so. I, I think the, the idea is that it's it's mist camouflage. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, he literally says, it's colored and constructed to hide you in the mist. Yeah, I, like, I just want to read out the description of this. He pulled open the pack, then whipped out a dark gray cloak, large and enveloping. The and cloak wasn't... Oh, uh, I think that's pronounced developing, but go on. Whatever. It's the same word. The cloak wasn't constructed from a single piece of cloth. Rather, it was made up of hundreds of long... Hundreds? <laughs> what? That... I didn't notice that last time. Sorry. Hundreds of long, ribbon-like strips. They were sewn together at the shoulders and across the chest, but mostly they hung separate from one another, like, like overlapping streamers. Yeah, hundreds. How thin are these strips? Maybe they're really thin to give it like a misty look. Yeah, I kind of pictured them as like you know, kind of thick strips of cloth. Yeah, I think it makes it does make more sense if they're thin. That makes it look even dumber in my mind. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I can kind of see it. Like you know, it. I, I think it's got a hood, right? It's got a hood. And you know, you got this sort of hooded figure. There's like. You know, the, the wind is dramatically blowing the strips around. There's some mist swirling around them. I think it could work in so the right together, lighting, in the right, the, only, the right atmosphere. The only bit is, like, where the sleeves... Like, does it have sleeves? I don't know. Is it, like... Because some cloaks are more like coats. Yeah. And then some are just, like, you know, fasten on. I pictured it with neck. sleeves, but I'm guessing it actually does not have sleeves, now that you say it. Like, more like a fastener cloak that kind of wraps around you. Yeah. At the shoulders, you know, with like a, a fastener thing. Yeah, because, like, yeah, I mean, a cloak doesn't really have sleeves traditionally. It's, it's, it's a, it goes over. If it had sleeves, it would just be a coat. Like this picture here. Pointing to a random picture I drew. Yep. But yeah, basically. I'm sure all our listeners will enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could take a picture of it and post it online, but... Uh, Don't, that's a terrible drawing. <sighs> Don't do that. Yeah, sorry, sorry, listeners. You'll just have to imagine a picture of a uh, wizard in a cloak, um, which doesn't look anything like what we're discuss discussing because this cl the cloaks in this are made of strips and are really weird. I, I kind of like this description, but at the same time, it's in my mind, it's quite stupid. Well, it's certainly unique. Yeah, it, it does seem like it would be very easy for it to look stupid. Yeah, I feel like, I mean. If, if they ever adapt Mistborn, uh, they'll have to be very careful in how also, they go about this. Um, 
I, I find it kind of funny that Dachshund says, when Vin asks what it is, he says, it's a Mistborn cloak, you know? All Mistborns wear those. You know, it's, it's like a sign of the membership to a fancy Mistborn club. He says, to a Mistborn who doesn't have a Mistborn cloak. Well, true. I know she's only just found out she's a Mistborn, but like... Yeah, and the fact that he I wears know. this is kind of interesting. Like, on the one hand, he's a, first of all, he's announcing himself as a Mistborn, which seems like yeah. potentially a bad idea. It warns city guards and other Mistborn not to bother you. Yeah, but considering they're pretty... He's pretty much... He goes from, nobody can see me, to, I'm in break, actively breaking into a place and the guards are definitely going to fight me. There's no point yeah. at which that would he, be useful. He does talk uh, in this chapter... He, he wants to cause commotion and he kind of wants to let people know he's in town. Yeah, what I'm a little unclear on is, so, is a Mistborn robbing a place like a crazy thing to happen because they're all supposed to work for the Lord Ruler? Or, I mean, we don't, we don't know the answer to this, but it, do the noble houses have their own pet Mistborn that are robbing each other, that kind of thing? Is that like a thing that happens? Or is this, are people going... Like, what the hell? Why is this cop robbing us? Yeah. I, I'm i just wondering, if he just wore the Mistborn cloak all the time when he was walking around Luthadel, would people just suppose that he was a lord? Because they talk about how he has, like, noble clothing. Well, I, Mistborn only come out at night, remember? I don't know. Even so, I feel like... If it wards off city guards from even looking at you, that sounds better than just wearing noble, no, you know. That's true. Why isn't everyone wearing these cloaks? The guards will be powerless to stop them. Yeah, like <laughs> what? I can't. I, I, you know what? I bet. I bet before he was actually a misborn, he used one of these cloaks to disguise at some point. We'll probably never get that confirmed, but I, yeah, that's what I would do if I was a high-level thief like him. Yeah. My next note is just the word haste killers, but probably want to go into that later when we actually. Yeah, I highlighted that as well. But yes, uh, it's not, <laughs> I when I highlighted it, I thought it would be a mysterious word. Yeah, I. I but did we too. learn <laughs> we learn pretty quickly what it means. Uh, uh, yeah, so instead, I'm going to talk about uh, the other thing of equipment that he has, which is a belt. Or that, I definitely shouted that out really loud. But a belt um, with two small sheets in which he puts glass daggers? Yes, a pair of glass daggers, which is which sounds crazy when you hear it, but it makes sense, I guess, because of when he's fighting enemy mistings, he, he needs to not have any metal on him. Now, he makes a big deal about this whole not having any metal on thing. It seems a little weird to me, like Except the, the fact that he has a pouch of metal coins that he uses to yeah, this entire chapter. Yeah. But no, I, but I think that the idea is that he can abandon, he can drop that pouch of metal coins, and then he's totally immune to the iron pushing and steel pulling or whatever. Except uh, for the other, you know, misting or misborn who immediately then uses that sack point to whack him over the cross of the head because he's just carrying this round. Well, I don't think they do, but yeah, this whole strategy of trying to avoid side. having any metal on him does seem weird. Like he is the misborn. He's the one for whom the metal is most useful. Yeah. Also, I just I don't like the idea of glass tigers. I just I just don't. I, I'm not thinking particularly. I, I guess basically these are probably haze killer weapons essentially. 
Yeah, not that he uses them particularly effectively when he's actually fighting haste killers. Nor do the haste killers have them, <laughs> but uh, I know it's just it's it's kind of that's a, what they're a for, little right? detail yeah. that just feels really weird to me. I think I think it, it it worked for me because like it it sets up okay why the hell is he using glass daggers and carefully making sure he has very little metal on him oh it's because two of the mate of the core Mistborn powers are metal kinesis yeah I mean like I know like it just stood out to me a lot like I literally have. Glass daggers? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but that's the reaction that, that the, the book's trying to get from you, I think. It's supposed to it's supposed to stand out as a weird thing. One thing I do want to comment on, which is uh, Brandon Sanderson's ability to tell a story is... I think you can always tell when someone talks about a story and they say the book or they or it rather than just naming the author. Because I always feel like that's a sign... You know, if someone's talking about the author telling you this, you know, when they're talking about information from the book, like, oh, Brandon, that's that's the reaction Brandon is trying to get from you. I feel like would show bad writing, almost like you can, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the author isn't there. Hmm. And that's just the story. It feels like the author is there. I'm Are you not, saying this is a good sign that the... Yeah, I'm saying it's a good sign. I'm not explaining it very well, but I'm... I'm thinking of that. As, I think of that as a compliment. Okay, and interesting theory. A nod. I don't know. Like, it's not a theory. It's just how I feel about it. Like, if a writer's presence feels very evident in his story, or in their story, I suppose. Like, I don't feel like that's as good. Hmm. Because it's not as. Yeah, well, I, I definitely wasn't thinking when I read it, oh, this is him trying to provoke me. I just was provoked. <laughs> I was yeah. like, whoa, that's weird. Rather than going, like, oh, I the have, story is trying to make me think this is weird. <laughs> I have read books where I'm like, oh, the author did not pull that off well. Or, you know, the author didn't do this. Or, And then you read books where you just say they or the book. Mm. I don't know. Random tangent for me, but that's... Something I wanted to play. Yeah, anyway, our, we, we aren't left in suspense too long as to the point of the glass daggers because uh, literally on the next page for me, uh, I assume it's the same for you, he starts using his uh, misborn powers. Burning iron or steel with point blue lines and all kinds of metal. And you pretty, we pretty quickly learn that those lines can be used to push or pull on the metal and well, that whole mechanic. I didn't um, wait to take notes on this, so the second steel was introduced with the blue lines, I was like, steel is a metal detector. And I was like, wait, no, that's wrong. Steel pushing equals the super yeah, jumps so, I mentioned before. Yes, and he that's true, and he does... I said it. And Yes, so it seems like we've been talking about them having telekinesis because he showed Cameron that time. You are probably using... Yeah, like, he must have been pushing on, on the metal that Cameron had on him, yeah. I'm wondering if Cameron got a very different experience of being pushed than we imagined him. Yeah, probably. Like it's more like being pulled backwards by the metal. Yeah, all the metal like are you just shoving it. Probably his coin purse was like the biggest piece of metal on him. So. Yeah, it's like probably being like dragged back by the hip. Mm. And assuming he has a belt buckle, you know, like pushed back. And yeah. I feel like that would be such a weird experience. I, I, I want to bring up, if you, I believe well, it was last episode that I was talking about the idea of telekinesis that only moves things relative to you 
And yeah. you were talking about that being a totally baffling and bizarre idea that would never happen. I wish I'd put it down as a prediction. Now, I, I wasn't even particularly predicting that it would happen. It was just an example of a way that telekinesis could work. But lo and behold, that's exactly how this uh, metallokinesis, I guess, works. But if anything weren't you wrong, because you were saying you couldn't stand on a, a board made of metal and use it to... Well, you can't. In this, you can't stand on a piece of metal and push it or pull it to make to make to lift the metal that you're standing on. You can only push away the metal and lift yourself. Okay, I guess we all have our little victories on predictions. <laughs> yeah. So what this what this basically means is you can't quite fly. You can only sort of shove yeah. yourself. But you can basically fly as long as you've got like as long as there's any metal around you, you can basically fly. I'm happy the super jumps came into this because. If you remember, in an earlier episode, I was going on about how I, I, I was pretty sure that super jumps were a thing in this world. Yeah, I'm starting yes. to worry that the whole thing that I had heard somewhere about storing up kinetic energy and then using it might be from like a different Brandon Sanderson book or something. He's written a lot of books. Yeah. It's, it could be from the Stormlight Archive. We're, we're running, yeah, we're starting to run real low on, on metals. <laughs> yeah, I did expect there to be a lot more metals i've said this before but like 11 yeah that's it there are there are still a fair few slots left it but to me the fact that there's a mysterious 11th metal almost hints at the idea that there's probably more alimantic metals maybe or there or there it at least it at least brings up the possibility yeah the idea that there's this one that isn't supposed to exist that does I mean, I'm not saying that there's like going to be like a hundred new metals that they discover throughout it's the course. It's actually the whole periodic table. We're going to get carbon burners, and sodium burners, every, every single element on the periodic table is going to have a burner. Yeah. But like, I'm just thinking that that does at least open up the possibility of finding more metals, even if it's not particularly Could likely. you imagine if that was actually the case? Like, you just didn't elemental, know about ma it? elemental magic systems, one magic type of magic for every element on the periodic table. How many elements are there? Uh, well, it depends on... Like, a, a lot of the the, hot, the the heavier elements are just sort of radioactive things that humans have produced. Um, and past a certain point, they're not even stable, so they can only last, like, fractions of a second. Uh, but I, I, know, I, I could look up the exact answer to how many naturally occurring elements there are, but I don't know it. But uh, somewhere in the realm of two hundred, yeah, a little uh, is is the the hot, that that's including the artificial elements. Uh, without them, I don't know, maybe one hundred and fifty. Do we have to learn like much of the periodic table in school? Uh, I don't believe you're expected to memorize it. No, you, you, I I certainly didn't. Although, although I've I know I've known people who have memorized the periodic table. There are like songs you can memorize it too. Yeah, one of my friends did that, and I suddenly just had the thought, like, wait, is that something I'm going to have to do next year? Yeah, no, you need you that need to know horrible. how to read the table, but you don't need to know how to reproduce it from memory. That is, that is good. <laughs> I feel very relieved now. Um, amazingly, we've managed to talk for all this time without getting into probably the most important part of this entire chapter which is the large period of time he spends actually using magic like we kept 
like yeah. he kept wanting. Yeah, I mean, he does look... Uh, I mean, we haven't reached a point where he actually, like, fights with it, but unfortunately we've run rather long, so it's going to have to wait for next episode. That's a wrap. Uh, yep, that, I'm afraid so. This is, good. This is a two-parter. Join us next time for the rest of Chapter 5. Yeah, uh, remember to like, subscribe, and any uh, <laughs> leave us reviews, retweet us, whatever you can. Yeah, check out our Twitter page. Yep, at Pod Young Adult. Yep. And you can also email us uh, at podcast at youngadult at gmail.com. Uh, so, so tell us what you think of Italics as narration, or whether you think this is an impressive outfit, or little silly on Kelsier's part. I'll see you soon. <laughs>